Welcome to Queer Tools. Today, we finish our conversation on the mid-year goals review. Here we go. All right, then. So we've we've done our first half review. All right. Um, we figured out through our analysis what we didn't we, what we didn't do, and we probably added to that what the risks are. Right. So we can so we can apprise our boss about right. that. But look, I, I, let's say I've done all that, and I look at my goals and objectives, and let's say I had ten of them. Right. And I got nine of them done. I mean, ninety percent. That's not too bad in school. That'd be an A, right? <laughs> That's what everybody wants. This is where the time management people say, yeah, you did a bunch of C priorities in order to make yourself feel good, but you left off that big 900-pound gorilla in the middle of the table, which is about to tear your head off. Um, if you've done nine of the 10 things we're supposed to do, but the boss told us in January that X, which is the one thing we didn't do, of course, if he tells us or she tells us that X is the big deal this year um, and we haven't done it, it doesn't matter whether they're nine or ninety-nine or nine thousand nine hundred ninety-nine things that we did right. Um, we will not get an A. Um, all objectives are not created equal, and I want I want to come back to a point. We're not saying that this cast is not designed to make everybody feel bad that you didn't get everything done. Mike and I never get everything done that we want to get done. All highly professional people that we know of have work left over at the end of the day. They have another project they wanted to get to and they didn't get to it. There's always more to do. You never want to plan for A and then go to A plus 20%, except in margins and and revenues, right? You always want to leave. uh, you, You always want to have more to do because having more to do makes us more efficient and more effective with the things. It makes us make better choices and move more efficiently within those choices. But, but, but f- since we know we're not going to have everything done, we've got to be clear that there are two ways to not get things done. It's not getting everything done, and it's not getting the right things done. The big A, the big, the big X, right? We, we can't, it's, it's, our point is really, you can't simply do a quantitative analysis. In other words, I got nine out of 10 things done. We've also got to add that qualitative, and that means adding the importance, as best we see, as best we understand it, um, of each of our objectives. Um, and there, and we have a recommendation. We have two axioms that we find to be true when it comes to career management and performance goals and a- annual goals. And they are number one, value based on our manager's analysis is equivalent to risk. In other words, we've got to be willing to see these things we're responsible for from our boss's perspective. And this is the key. The poorer we perform on his or her high-value issues, the greater our risk, okay? Value based on our manager's analysis is equivalent to risk, okay? Now, notice, so, so risk goes up as performance goes down on the important deliverables, on the high-value deliverables that our boss wants. But this is where people make a mistake. Risk does not necessarily 
go down based on great performance on lower valuable, lower value deliverables. What people want to do is they want to substitute quantity for quality. And, and so they say, well, I did a lot of these other things. So therefore my risk is fairly low. No risk in our boss's mind usually is related to the one or two or three high value things. Remember, she's got 10 people reporting to her. She can't treat, keep a track of a hundred things. She's going to keep track of 30 things. What 30? The top three of all 10 of her directs. Those, th those three that, uh, for us are those things that are the highest value. Therefore, they're the highest risk if we've done them poorly. We could nail the other seven. And if we've done poorly on these three, our risk is very high. The second point is that, and then I'm really surprised by this. This is a dangerous political move. Uh, the, the axiom is performance deliverables always trump our own developmental goals, even if they're in the same document, okay? Please don't think we can get away with, a say, with saying to ourselves, we had a great first half if we met all of our development goals, but we didn't deliver on all of our performance goals. Development goals mean very little to our boss, even in high development cultures that we found. Or let me put it differently, that's not right. It's, it's not that they don't mean little. It means that risk is always higher, value is always higher for performance goals rather than for development goals. Why? Because a rising tide lifts all boats. If everybody develops themselves but nobody achieved results, there will not be a pot of money to spend to reward people for their development. What, what good is development in order to get a promotion if in fact there are no promotions available because the company's shrinking because nobody achieved their results they were supposed to as far as performance goals. So the, those two things, you've got to consider risk and risk is usually, or the value that you can create is based on the risk your manager sees. And that's based on her analysis or his analysis, not ours. And then performance is always more important than development. Um, now, okay, so what happens now? B based on what we know now, halfway through the year, what, we, what we're gonna say is we're gonna say, where will I be able to deliver the most value for the rest of the year? Okay, based on, on, on the quantitative and qualitative analysis, based on the market, based on resources we think we might have, based on our boss's priorities, changes in our boss's priorities, based on meetings we've had and uh, which way the wind is blowing at any given time, new VPs, new CEOs, whatever, new strategies. What is the best use of me as a resource for the rest of the year to achieve these objectives? Usually, it means recommitting to those high value or those most important existing goals for most of us. And look, we're, you know, we're not saying you have to have everything done. So it may be hard for you to hear that because the important stuff, the high value stuff is supposed to be difficult. It's supposed to take all year. And if you're only 40% of the way and it's already, you know, halfway through August or all the way through August, um, you've squandered more than half of the year and you're less than half of the way there, less than half of the way there. Um, and, and look, we admit it. Some folks don't want to do this work halfway through the year. They'd rather trust to the boss's inattention and the boss's general unwillingness to give candid feedback at the end of the year if they haven't been on top of it throughout the year because they don't have a lot of credibility. Um, it also usually, you know, what this means is if we're going to reassess and rededicate ourselves to the top ones, it means recommending the ending of some of our work on lower priorities that might really, in fact, be OBE, meaning 
they're overcome by events being an event of ours. We, we have to spend time on a top one. And, we, and what we don't want to do is get seven things done and not get the one big one done, when in fact, we might be able to get two of those seven done. But if we can get two of those seven plus the one big one, that's probably a better solution than getting all seven of the smaller things done. Um, okay. Um, you, we may have to recommend the end of some lower priorities, right? But uh, it'd be nice, and it'd be nice if we'd already achieved them. But we oughtn't plan on selling those, getting rid of those things too hard, if we haven't done well on those high value targets as well. Okay. Now, the big question for most managers in our experience at this step is, uh, as we consider how to reallocate time and energy in Q3 and Q4 is whether to recommend a lessening of the goal on one or more of our big priorities. In other words, a scope change or perhaps a timing change. Or whether you say, okay, I, I know I can't change the scope of the timing. And so this effort is going to be Herculean, but I'm going to do it. Um, but, but our recommendation is this. Embrace reality. Take your medicine now. Make a recommendation, even if it makes you look bad, that will allow you to accomplish what you set out to accomplish by the end of the year. You may be told no, okay, and then you're going to have to do what you have to do. Um, but but uh, don't say, oh, we're still going to get there. Um, if we've got directs, caution is wise. If we haven't made much progress and then we recommit to the whole enchilada in a half a year, uh, a whole year's worth of work in a half a year is nuts. We're unlikely to achieve it, and it's dangerous to us next year because people are going to feel, you know, the old death march thing. Uh, if you go on a death march, it better be because the goal is non-negotiable. Otherwise, you probably won't be there. So be willing to say, I don't think I'm going to make it. This is what I can do. Your boss may come back and say, nope, I want you to do it. Okay, that's fine. Then you have an opportunity to do it. But, but heaven forbid you don't believe you can do it and then you say I i'm gonna do it i don't know how and the boss says oh okay great well that's probably not smart okay i get it and i agree with everything you've said so far but i mean let's be honest uh you know the year goes by we're six months into it right and other opportunities came up things that are more important things that could deliver value to the the business so yeah sure it's funny everybody wants to say well this was obe well, what was it OBE by? Oh, this other thing. Oh, so in other words, something new came up that you decided you'd work on rather than this other stuff that we agreed to at the start of the year would be non-negotiable, right? Well, the world changed. Yeah, it's entirely possible that the world is different now than it was six months ago. In fact, it's not just possible. It's, it's a dead bang certainty, right? Um, we have to ask the classic professional question. What is required of me today or now that wasn't required of me at the beginning of the year? It's, this is just an echo of Drucker's general guidance to all executives to do what is required of us rather than what we're good at or what we'd like to do. It's not enough to just change what we already agreed to or if we've done it well, add to existing areas. We have to be willing, the same way companies periodically, I mean, uh, really effective companies, they don't just have a strategy that makes sense, because the way you know a strategy makes sense is if it gets executed and produces results. That's what everybody says. Wow, great strategy, look at the great results. Well, strategy and results are two different things. The strategy requires execution, and strategies generally are not detailed. They might be a page or two for a $50 billion company. It's the execution that's detailed. And you're halfway through a year and you're executing and 
things have changed and execution needs to change. And so our goals need to reflect that our execution, the things we're working on have changed in order to achieve the, the goals, the mission of the organization as best as we see fit. Maybe there's a new opportunity out there. We look at newly emerging issues. It's budget reduction this year. Maybe it's a new product that there, there's a play, there's something in the market. But look, I mean, if you're in the technology world and, and you, you, at the first part of the year, you said, well, we don't have any uh, cell phones. Most people listening to this have a cell phone, right? If you didn't have a plan in January and you were in the cell phone accessory business, you didn't have a plan for addressing Palm's new product or iPhone 3GS, you better have a plan now. That better be part of the second half of your year, right? But it, maybe you weren't on the deal team in the beginning and you didn't know what was supposed to be done in January. Maybe it wasn't even on the, you know, there, there was non-disclosure agreements and nobody in your firm knew that the plan, that a product was coming out. But that's got to be in your plan for the rest of the year. Maybe it's getting ready to do new hiring uh, that you didn't know you would be able to do because you thought the market was going to be bad throughout the year. And actually, the market's maybe a little better than you thought it would be. Um, so, look, um, hopefully this will help. Uh, um, we won't he, he, think of it this way. We won't necessarily have to do all of the stuff we recommend, or even any of the stuff we recommend. Right now, what we're doing is an analysis so we can do some simple planning before communicating our mid-year review to our manager. We've got to do this analysis because we don't want to be caught flat in the meeting when he suggests we do some new stuff that we don't have any sense of whether or not it fits in or not. We do this analysis so we can be smart about recommending how to get the right things done in the second half of the year. The boss may say, I don't care. I don't care. You're right. Those three things need to be done, but it doesn't matter. I I know my head's going to be chopped off unless you do X. So stop working on A, B, C, D, E, F, G that are easier and get X done. And if you get X done, fine, go ahead and do Y and Z, which you're recommending. But don't tell me at the end of the year you didn't get X done because you were busy working on Y and Z. These are the things that are important. Now, what do we say to managers? What would what, what Mike and Mark say? What is the career tools answer to the manager who says, I don't want to do this to the career person, the professional says, I don't, I don't want to do that because maybe, maybe my boss will say, good, do it all. Um, yeah. Okay. It's possible. There are bosses like that. And that's why we have another cast called manager tools. Um, we want to get rid of them. Um, but look, aren't we better off if we're the ones suggesting the things to be done? And at least we know now what it is he or she's asking us to do. Or at least we're the ones having ideas at the table. Yes, we are. Simple as that. I'd absolutely agree with that. So now that our analysis is done, we have to communicate it to our manager, right? <laughs> yeah, look, the analysis is done. We've got to communicate it to our manager because that's what this document that we started with. Remember, the first thing we do, we schedule a meeting with ourselves. We sit down and we look at our document, our annual review document, right? Our performance goals and our development goals. That document is a what amounts to a, a, a implicit or a tacit or, or, or explicit uh, agreement between ourselves and our boss. Um, and now we've got to communicate to our boss about our analysis. Some organizations are going to have a form to do it on. The vast majority won't. And frankly, the vast majority of bosses will be somewhat, if not completely surprised that we use the form, if in fact the form exists. And some of them who don't have a form will be stunned that we did the work. Um, and folks, let me just say now, uh, Mike and I both have at least 1% of a streak in us that's Machiavellian. Um, uh, we know that the surprise the vast majority of your bosses feel when you sit down and say, look, I've done an analysis on the first half. Here's analysis on the second half. Here's what I think I need to be doing differently. I wanted you to know, can you bless this plan? They will be stunned. 
They will see us as doing for them what they know is their responsibility if they were truly on top of all their work and they haven't yet made time for it. Yeah, there's a risk, right, that we're exposing things that maybe they would have forgotten about at the end of the year. But there's also a much bigger reward. And think of it this way. Who would you rather want working for you as your direct? The person who wants to slip by or the person who steps up and says, I've done this analysis. I've got an update for you. Let's sit down and talk about it. We think <laughs> you'd want the one. Who <laughs> That's would, not a very hard yeah, question. Not hard at all, right? So we've got all our analysis done. We've got our, our, our notes and all that. And so what we do now is our next step is to simply uh, wander by our our boss's office and just poke our head in and say, hey, boss, you got a, got a moment? I just want to shoot the ball with you a little bit. <laughs> I love it when you just read the show notes right now. Um, it, 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 it makes sense, right? In fact, there are some people who are going, yeah, let's just uh, let's have a bull, bull session. Let's have a brainstorming session. Or there's a TV show, TV commercial out now where some, some industry is doing poorly and he says, what should we do? Our competitors are beating us up. And one guy says, we should have a blamestorming session. <laughs> and he says, let's blamestorm. And he says, I, I blame Rita. <laughs> it's just, yeah, let's sit down and shoot the bull and uh, we'll have a little chat. No, we're not going to have a chat. We're going to dot our I's and cross our T's. We're going to show our boss. We sat down for an hour, maybe did a little extra work as well. And we got our ducks in a row. Um, there are a lot of cliches there. Um, <laughs> ducks in yeah, a row. Yeah, you got all and, of them. There. Yeah, I got them all. Um, so look, four steps. The first one we do is we actually prepare a written report, right? Look, look, this is a mid-year review of another written document. Let's not make it verbal. Let's make it written so they can attach it. Uh, and maybe it'll even go in your performance, your, your HR file at the end of the year. Maybe it's just an email. That's fine. Depending upon you and your boss, that may be what works for you or your boss. Um, it would be fine with me to get one by email if I were a boss. Okay. Uh, it could be a sharp looking word document. It could be, it could have project status documents attached to it. Uh, it could be a PowerPoint. Yeah. It could be just project status sheets with a cover sheet on them, overviewing everything. Um, and, and you know, you don't have to have 20 pages. It could be very short. It could be four or five pages. Please don't make the preparation of a sharp, smooth, slick report the reason you don't do the analysis and preparation. Do the work and then put it together in a report. And the next, uh, in, in six months, when the boss is getting ready to do reviews and she says to everybody, hey, look, uh, Mike did this thing. It was just an email to me, but I really like it. Could you please follow that? When everybody else looks at you with daggers and says, I can't believe you did that, you just chuckle and go, yeah, okay. But I already know how to do it. Mine's gonna look better than yours. Yeah, I'm the man. Um, not, not that we want a bigger share of the rewards than, than they do. We don't. We want the organization to dole them out fairly, which, of course, they will. If we did better than everybody else, we'll get more of our more than our fair share. Exactly. Um, not that we're high Ds. Um, but look, the report we're going to recommend has three parts. The first part is a first half review. It's very analytical. It's uh, what our deliverables were, what we achieved. The primary focus is reporting on what happened, not justifying, not the why. The more we justify, the more the report will appear as a sales and a career management tool rather than a deliverables report. If you're seen as selling the first year, you're going to be perceived as having low credibility in planning out the second half of the year. Yeah, exactly. You don't want the story to seem like uh, it's all geared toward making excuses for why you didn't hit the first half goals and objectives. We can show the why of some of our misses, 
but we recommend this be less about the reasons and more about the facts in the first part, okay? Uh, the second part is recommended changes, and, and that's where we suggest changes to the existing objectives. Hey, look, you said I wanted X, you wanted X, I'm only 40% of the way there, here's the scope and timing changes I think I need, or here's what the project plan is um, for the remainder of the year for X, whether they're scope or, or, or scope or timing changes or not. And then the third part of the report is any new deliverables, any new efforts that we recommend uh, we're going to talk about those and we're going to make a case for them based on obviously the previous part of the year and new data that we have about the market and the industry and the boss and the VP and everything else. Just three parts. Nothing. It's not rocket science. Well, do I, do I share the information with them before the meeting yeah. or should I, you know, hold it? Send an email. Attach the report to the email. Don't I want, don't, to, don't I want to surprise them? Well, I give it to them in advance, right? Well, I tell them, yeah. I mean, it's funny. We, we're not going to give our boss this thing in advance. And yet we're going to flip around when we do a manager tools cast, as we did four years ago, and say, but as a manager, you have an obligation. We believe it's the most effective professional way to give everybody their review the night before so they have a chance to review it and prepare for an effective meeting. Are we trying to schmooze people or are we communicating professionally? If we're communicating professionally, we we attach the report so that our boss can have a chance to read it. We're not going to try to fall. We're not going to fall into the trap of wanting to be dramatic with our bosses and tell a story to make ourselves look good. That's part of the selling thing. And you got to be careful about that. This has to be more factual. There's nothing wrong with perceptions. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of massaging. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of persuasion when we talk about the second half of the year. But don't try to rewrite history. Okay, that's not what we're doing here. Don't uh, um, don't leave out the report with the request for a meeting, thinking that oh well, he's just going to read it and then say I don't want a meeting or I want a chance to sell tell my side of the story. Yeah, I, I, I read these presentation gurus say oh you need to make it dramatic, you need to tell a story. I'm sorry, the vast majority of managers that I know they don't want you to tell them a story. They want the facts. They're okay after learning the facts to hear your persuasion of the case. They're okay with that. But don't just don't don't send me a whole bunch of pictures and say, I'm going to, I'm going to really wow you with what my plans are for the next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I just always want to say, why don't you let me decide whether or not I'm going to be wowed? Yeah, you know, just let me, and that would be my decision to yeah. be wowed. And by the way, I'm not going to be wowed. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, look, think of a mid-year review, just like a company reporting their quarterly or mid-year numbers. It always starts with the numbers. The CFO doesn't tell a story about one patient whose life was saved by one new drug that started making money this quarter. They don't. Yeah, sure, there are stories to tell, but the stories always, if there's a choice between the two, the stories always get left out if there are questions about the numbers. Wouldn't we want the report in advance if our direct were asking us for time like this and they had prepared for it? Of course we would, again. So we're gonna behave based on what we believe is most effective, which is to share data up front. Okay, now step three, okay? The boss has the report. Hopefully they've read it, but regardless, we in the meeting itself, which we've asked for and it's on our calendar and we're ready for it, we deliver that report as if the boss hadn't read it. Um, too many of us assume, I've seen this over and over and over again. Oh, didn't you read my report? Uh, too many of us assume our boss will have read the report. Then we underprepare thinking, oh, we're both going to know everything we need to know. And, and then we get disappointed when they indicate they haven't read the report. Um, look, and it's completely reasonable if you're a boss to, to ask for a report in advance and not read it because what you're saying is I'm not going to give you my time unless you've taken the time to prepare. So you're not going to waste my time. 
So bosses are not obligated to read reports just because you send them. We're obligated to send them to bosses because it shows us that we're being respectful of our boss's time and our bosses get paid more than us. And so therefore their time is more valuable. So we don't just go get to go in whenever we want and talk, 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 and give them volumes and volumes of data. We're expected to put the data together and to, to parse it in such a way that it speaks to people and particularly to them. Okay, so um, we, we get disappointed when they indicate they haven't read it. We're back on our heels. We deliver, we end up delivering a report we didn't think we had to deliver because we already prepared for it. And then we look stupid and we don't get the things we want in the second half of the year. Don't do that. You say, look, I'd like you to walk through the report. If they want to say, no, I read it, I read, got this, I got this, I got this, I got this, that's fine. But don't assume that. Deliver it as if you think they've never seen it and then let them choose to, to go to a high level on things. Look, and, and maybe she says, no, 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 no. I want X and only X. Or she says, yeah, 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 yeah. And I want Y and Z and A and B and C and whatever. And don't worry about X anymore. We were totally wrong. The market's changed. Holy Toledo brand new game-changing product, that's fine. What we do is we follow up at the end of the meeting with an accounting of agreed upon deliverables. What we send to our boss after the meeting becomes our new report card for the remainder of the year. And look, it helps for us to take responsibility for it. We're gonna be better at describing our work that we need to do than our boss is nine times out of 10. And we're gonna, and that will help us be clear about what we have to do. That's it. And, and really, when you look back, when you take a step back from all this, each step we've described in these five steps seems simple, but very few people do it. Take the time to look sharp at the middle of the year. Admit where you're behind or where you're ahead. Get credit for where you're ahead. We know that you've done some things well better than you originally planned, and your boss probably doesn't know that either. And then folks, send us a thank you note at the end of the year, because not only will you much more likely achieve the goals you were supposed to, it's going to be easier to prepare for that review that's waiting for you. Um, and that means less prep at the end and then better results. And that too is kind of a no brainer. Yeah. It's boring, but it works. Yeah. Pretty basic stuff. You know, step one is schedule a, a time on your calendar to review this stuff. If you don't schedule it, it's a little unlikely to happen. During your scheduled time, assess progress versus your goals. Then consider choices around changes in scope or timing. Consider new opportunities and then prepare and send update communications to your boss. And that's it. Yep. And then and then you got to get to work too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friend. We'll see you. Thanks, partner. Take care. All right, everyone. That's it. Thanks for joining us. And we'll see you all again next week. So long. So long.